Relic Radiant. This is Relic Radio Sci-Fi, old-time radio science fiction stories from RelicRadio.com. Well, 
right. Hello, Giovanni. Hello, Matt. Hello, Mrs. Morrow. Hi. Nice to see you. I haven't run across you since the uh, interplanetary fashion show. Oh, yes, that's right. All right, all right, Giovanni. Get to it. Well, now, that's no way to talk to the men who keep the peace on the planet. Uh, who pays the taxes that pay your salary? No. What about Professor Rinker? Okay, okay. Well, we, we checked all over, Matt. Uh, last seen about an hour ago. Where? City spaceport. He took a rocket? I don't know. According to reports, he was talking with Dave Sedgwick. Sedgwick, superintendent of the Trinutrium Minefield. At the Karnak list, the same, yeah. Uh, what's up, Morrow? We're the police, you know. Uh, nothing, Giovanni, not a thing. Um, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks very much. A pleasure. See you again, Mrs. Morrow. What? Shouldn't Shouldn't have what, honey? Oh, Giovanni, it wasn't important. How do you know it was well, I don't want to make a fool of myself if it turns out to be a false alarm. And on the other hand, if it is a story, a real story. Oh, Scoop Morrow, the demon reporter. And you don't have to tell me. I can read your mind. You're going out to Carmack. You bet I am. Is the jet boat energized? I had a buzz this morning. I'm going with you now. Now, Gwen. Or let's... shall I call Giovanni back? Uh, okay. Ruin. Two thousand miles. We ought to make that in a couple of hours. Grand handled the controls and I watched. We left Mingan City behind. We crossed Somali Deserta with the two Martian moons sitting twin shadows on the sand below us. We crossed the four ice caps. We came to the fist of Karnak, 15,000 feet high and black as interstellar space. Anything there? Oh, not a sign. Where's the Trinitium digging? Off to the left. You see the buildings up against the base of the cliff? Well, I can land right beside them now. Not too close. Why not? I want you to stay with the jet, Gwen. You'll be safer. Land on the far side of that lava bed. Why can't I go along with you? There's Sedgwick's around. I want to talk to him alone. Come halfway around Mars, just ask me that. He could have spoken to me on the view scope, Ma. <laughs> I didn't think of that, Sedgwick. Here, have a cigar. Imported all the way from Earth. No, no, no thanks. Uh, just tell me about this, uh... Yeah, this Professor Rinker. You did see him at Lincoln Spaceport, Sedgwick? Yeah, Ma, I did. The security police were absolutely correct. I never met the man before in my life. Come up to me, grab my arm, and start to babble some sort of nonsense. Mind telling me what? Oh, he said space thieves trying to steal trinutrium to take it back to Earth to sell in the black market. They'd make plenty of trinutrium at 50 times as valuable as gold. Oh, Matt, the man's a crackpot. Uh, there's, uh... There's been no sign of anything going wrong here. Well, I'm the superintendent. I'd know if there was. And you've no idea where Rinker is now? Not the slightest. Last I saw him, he was still at the spaceport, holding on to that straw hat. Hmm. It looks like I came out on a wild goose chase. Ah, it's too late to go to sleep. Uh, I got some terrific 1950s plans. No, no thanks. Well, uh, suit yourself. Uh... Where'd you leave your, uh, jet boat? Out across the lava bed. Oh, no, don't bother coming with me, Sedgwick. Okay. Go back to sleep. 
sorry I disturbed you. I left the building and started back. I went past the mine entrance and the dormitories where the miners were sleeping. I passed the converter building with the atomic fire buzzing away inside like a sleeping giant. I started out across the lava field and I found our little man, Professor Rizzer. Mr. Morrow. Oh, thank heavens. Rinker. Now, get down, Mr. Morrow. Please. Your clothes are all torn. Please get down. Yes. Yes. That's better. Well, maybe he's hurting by now. Mr. Morrow. I was tied up in one of those buildings. I tore my clothes getting away. You're going to tell me about space, please, Professor? It's true. Every word of it. Why didn't you go to the police? Well, I meant to. I was being followed. The next best place was your office. You left my office. Well, they picked up my trail again. I was too frightened to stay, but I left my wristwatch. Yeah, what about that wristwatch? Well, that's the proof. The fact that the wristwatch is lighter than the Martian atmosphere. You see, I, uh, I was here yesterday. Mm-hmm. I came up from Earth on a sightseeing trip, and the first thing I wanted to see was the trinitrium mine. And that's how I stumbled on it. On what? The thieves, Mr. Morrow. Yes? Yes. They're using a special process to lighten the trinutrium so they can rocket it to Earth in tremendous quantities. Oh, Mr. Morrow, I beg of you. The security police must be notified. They must be told that... Oh, what's that? Oh, look! Yeah. Standing in front of that building. They discovered my absence, Mr. Morrow. Any moment they may come home. I guess you're right, Rinker. Here they come. The jet boats up ahead on the far side of that big boulder. Now run! Oh, here I am. Rinker wasn't used to our thin atmosphere. He was gasping for breath. She's going to let the will make it. We'll make it. Now give me your arm. Come on. Now, oh, lady, take me. Keep going. Now here's the boulder. We'll jump in the jet. See those wheels so far behind. I'll never... sign of it anywhere. It was just gone. Before either one of us could move, the chase was over. A mob came down on us like a whirlwind. <laughs> oh. The puppy was struck down. Two men grabbed me. I saw the butt of the revolver gleam over my head in the moonlight. Then it swung in a vicious arc. Dark shell of pain burst inside my head. It went out. And so did I. No idea how long Rinker and I were unconscious. The first thing I became aware of was a sort of throbbing hum. For a moment, I thought it was Gwen with the jet, until I opened my eyes. I felt pressure on my wrist and looked at me. I sat strapped to a metal chair, and so did the little professor. We weren't seated in anything quite as old-fashioned as the electric chairs on Earth, but our situation was hardly less dangerous than if we had been. The room had one curved wall. The throb of the condensers told me the rest. We were prisoners in a space rocket about to become airborne. In the dim green light of our rocket cell, I saw the professor slump down, out. Then, the alert. Attention. All hatches secured. Check safety belts. Eight. Seconds, take off. I recognized Pedro's voice. Six. He was a space Four. Two. 
Professor, can you hear me? Is your intercom turned on? Professor. Uh, I, I can't hear you very well, Mr. Morrow. Now just shout as loud as you can. They're looking at us from inside the rocket. Can you see them? Yes. Hedwig is left. Now why don't they pull away from us? Easy, Professor. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. But they could easily. Uh, burst on one rocket jet and that would leave us behind. But we'd be out of their gravitational pull entirely. No. And I wish they would. Then we'd be all alone. Yeah, completely alone. You and me and your straw hat. Professor. Yes, Mr. Morrow. Tell me one thing. Why are you holding on to that hat? I have to. It won't fit inside the space helmet. After that, I ran out of words. We drifted, saying nothing. It was a strange feeling. All around us, complete blackness except for the distant stars. I revolved slowly, without weight. Without substance. Sedgwick decided to leave us. I saw him wave. I saw a blinding flash from his daughter. After a while, the awful cold began to creep in. The professor's fingers got numb and he let go of his hat. It floated beside him. I thought of Gwen and the missing jet boat. I thought of Giovanni. And what a fool I'd been not to call him in on it. I listened to the silence of empty space. Two days later, 
dawn was breaking over the Nevada high country. The air was thin and sharp. The mountains threw long blue shadows over the stunted sagebrush and juniper. I lay hidden behind a patch of scrub with Gwen beside me. This was part of the United States. It was the first time Gwen had been back on Earth since we were married. And she was quite excited. So was I, but for a different reason. Just as the sun touched the high mountains and the frost that lay over the valley began to sparkle, just then, Sedgwick's rocket drifted in like a pale moon. He was using his remaining rocket fuel to break his speed. He made a perfect landing on his tail fin. We watched as the hatch opened, the ladder dropped down, and the crew stepped out. Those radar sweeps should never have picked us up. The 
Thank you.